0: Good morning. Welcome to Mechanicsville Baptist Church this morning. We are so glad to see you come out and be in the Lord's house as he has opened his doors to invite us in. This morning I have a couple of announcements I'd like to share with you. Uh, First of all, on your bulletin you will find a little tear-off sheet, and if you are visiting with us, we would appreciate if you would just tear that off and fill in the information and put it in the offering plate. We'd like to get to know you better. And you can drop it in that. If you don't have time to fill it in by the time the offering comes around, give it to the preacher or a deacon at the back door. Also this morning, I want to remind you of our fellowship breakfast at Cold Harbor Restaurant, Thursday morning, 7 a.m., We start to meet. We are out of there by 8.30. So if you have a job and you need to get there, you can come and join us, partake of a little food and good fellowship. We invite you Thursday, 7 a.m. Very important announcement for the deacons. We were supposed to meet this evening, but we have moved our deacon meeting to next Sunday, May the 1st, not this Sunday, May 1st, deacons meeting. That is a change in your bulletin. The other announcements, you can turn to your back of your bulletin and you will see them for the activities and things going on here this week. Now, let us go and continue in our service. That is such an uplifting <coughs> hymn. It starts us to come into our service this morning. The Holy Spirit coming into each and every one of our hearts. And while we have that Holy Spirit this morning, let us go to Him in prayer, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you have given us through life to this point. And we know. We don't know that final day, but there are certain ones that have lost loved ones and are going through trying times. There are sick ones, but we know that you are the greatest physician and the greatest healer. And if we keep you in our heart and come to you, asking you, as we will here this morning, to come into this place with all your spirits, all your glory, all your music and message and uplift each and every one of us that we will have an open heart and open mind, that we love you, Lord, and we welcome you here. Please come in. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning. Let us now lift our voices in praise together as we stand and sing hymn number 208, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling.
2: Be seated and keep your hymnal in hand and turn in the back to responsive reading number 717 entitled, Cooperation. We will read responsibly. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ.
1: We want you to know, brethren, about the grace of God which has been shown in the churches of Macedonia.
2: For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of liberality on their part.
3: For they gave according according to their their means and beyond their means of their their own free will.
2: Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints.
3: But first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Amen. Amen
1: now to lift up our voices in song and in praise as we do a medley of songs about opening our eyes. The first one, if you will turn to hymn number 449, and then flip over the next page to 502, and we will do all f- three verses of Open My Eyes. So we'll do 499, Open Our Eyes, Lord, in its entirety, and then we will flip over to 502 and do all three verses of Open My Eyes. If you'll stand, please. Thank <laughs> you.
3: i Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for another chance to meet together in your house today to worship you. We experience your blessings every day, and you freely and generously give them to us with unconditional love. May we love you enough and trust you enough to give back a portion that is really already yours so that you can bless it, multiply it, And use it in ways we may never understand, but always for good and always for your glory. It is with humble honor and joy that we give in your great name. Amen.
2: bring you up to date on our sick, uh, just briefly. Ray Ray's has, uh, that was me, i got it turned back on. Uh, Ray Ray's has returned to the hospital. He uh, is still experiencing the same kind of problems he was having before with fluid buildup around his uh, lungs and heart, and so pray for him. And uh, my understanding is, because I have not heard any different unless you know, Uh, that Tommy Metz is still in the hospital as well. I have not heard that he's gone home, and usually Doris keeps me up to date on that. Betty Olmstead had surgery this past week for um, uh, ovarian cancer, and she is still in St. Mary's Hospital, so I wanted to make you aware of uh, her. And then Michelle Thompson, Todd Thompson's wife, uh, it's uh, Jay Thompson's sister-in-law, is in the very last stages of... um, a pancreatic cancer and she needs our prayers so I wanted to bring you up to date on those prayer concerns this morning so that you would be aware of uh, what's going on you will see those in the newsletter this week but uh, felt like you needed an update I had just got the message uh, yesterday afternoon off of the uh, answering service at the church about uh, Raymond being back in the hospital so I wasn't sure whether you all knew that or not let's bow for prayer Oh, Lord, as we bow in your presence again, we have thanksgiving in our hearts for the gift of the time together in this place and for the power of prayer. Accept our praise and our adoration and our gifts of worship before you. For truly, Father, you are deserving of all that we can give and even more. We are grateful for the forgiveness that comes to us through Jesus Christ as we encounter Him in life. We're thankful, Father, that He has provided for us through His death and resurrection life now and life everlasting. We pray, Father, that You would be with those that we have mentioned who are ill. Father, we see that illness is all around us and we know that our bodies are Uh, have times of illness and recovery. And we know, Father, that you give to us the privilege of praying so that we might ask for healing and strength for those who have great needs. And yet, Father, as we pray, we know that our greatest need is a relationship with you. And in that need, all other needs are met now and in eternity. We go through times of suffering and illness, and yet as we emerge on the other side, we give thanksgiving and praise to you. Thank you for this church and for the ministries and opportunities in this place to serve in this community and even around the world. We're thankful for our missionaries and for their work here at home and around the world. Thank you that you have given them a burning desire to share in places, Father, that we are not called to share, and yet they are. Help us be ambassadors for you wherever we work, wherever we go, so that others might see the light of Christ in us. We pray, Father, for our country and for the difficulties that we face as a nation We pray, Father, for wisdom and courage for our leaders. We pray, Father, that as we give them to you and as we pray for our nation, that we might be aware of our part as followers of Christ to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your word and for its power. For, Father, in your word we find instruction. In your word we find wisdom. In your word, we find meaning and purpose for our lives. As we open your word in a few moments, Father, allow us to concentrate on you and what you would have to say to us as we seek to encounter you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Do you remember the time your heart was moved to tears? Can you look back on the moment after all these years? On the moment, love to meet the master. Think back on that time and remember how he blessed you just with his presence.
2: visitors, it appears as though the choir is picked off like ducklings by a turtle in a pond, uh, they are in the first service, you all know that, and uh, so as uh, the service goes on, they disappear, they don't want to hear me twice, they, they, they're not, it's not personal, um, it's a time factor, at least I choose not to make it personal, uh, but did want to let you Uh, know that as well. We had a meeting on Wednesday night related to the roof and construction project for our Family Life Center and uh, we will be giving you some updates about that meeting in the um, newsletter this week online and then also the print edition as well that will uh, give you an opportunity to know uh, how to pray and how to support this uh, uh, project that has to be done. Uh, It's not something that we can put off any longer. Uh, Several people have already uh, given to this project, and we want to give everyone an opportunity to give to this project. And if you are writing a check to give, uh, if you uh, are pledging, just we need to know that information. Uh, You can uh, make sure if you're writing a check for the roof project that you uh, indicate that clearly on the check. Uh, But we will be giving you more information about that But I would say since the meeting on Wednesday night, uh, we have uh, received an additional $7,000. So uh, people are very interested in being a part of this. And um, uh, this building has great meaning to our congregation. It has served many people for many years as a ministry and a blessing to this church and to this community. And we have an obligation uh, to maintain that building. That's all I'm going to say about that. But I did want to uh, give you a word on that this morning. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35, when you meet the master. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? <clears throat> and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told him about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Every year on the anniversary of the death of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes, friends gather and attempt to get in touch with his spirit. This is only one example of the interest people have in communicating with the dead. From seances among young girls at slumber parties to visits to psychics by people of all ages, an interest in spiritualism and communication with the dead has always been with us. But in spite of all these attempts through the years to reach the dead and to communicate with them, Jesus is the only one we know of who has risen from the dead all by himself, appeared to his friends and communicated with them. We realize, of course, that this is the Son of God who has been raised from the dead by the power of God. The resurrection is at the basis of our faith in Christ. We are resurrection people. That's why we are here today. The entire New Testament was written from the perspective of those who lived through Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. At least ten appearances of the risen Christ are recorded in the New Testament. Not the least interesting of the post-resurrection appearances of Christ was his appearance to two believers on the road to Emmaus. The scripture tells us that Emmaus was seven miles from Jerusalem. After hearing the report of the resurrection from them, Jesus began to teach them that, his fo- was, that this was the fulfillment of scripture itself. When they reached their destination, he would have gone on. But they invited him To go in with them. When he took the position of host and began to break the bread, they recognized who he was. This was the Master. He had indeed risen. They had been met by the Master. When Jesus joined the disciples on the way to Emmaus, they do not recognize him. Luke's resurrection account stresses the continuity between the crucified and risen Jesus, but it also indicates that there was a difference. Here the interpretation is that their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. That is, it was part of the divine plan. Their ignorance of their companion's identity provides occasion for Him to expound the meaning of the experience by which they had been talking. It's important for us to see very clearly ourselves, what is going on here. Jesus spent his entire ministry trying to get people to see. He healed the blind. He told stories and parables of events and happenings that could try to give people the opportunity to open their eyes. would have us to do the same today, to look upon Him, to gaze upon the Master, and to learn from the Scriptures what He has taught us and what He has shown us, and to allow His Spirit to dwell within us so that our eyes could be opened. For the supreme need of each one of us is to meet the Master. We must have the kind of knowledge about Christ that is more than just knowing about Him. We need to know Him personally and experience His power in our lives. In this time after the cross and after the resurrection experience, we too can meet the Master. Our supreme need is to meet the Master. We must know more about Jesus than what we know in our minds. We must know that Jesus Himself gave His life so that through Him we could live. There are times when we can meet the master. We can meet the master when we are fearful or afraid. Knowing that the other believers were meeting behind closed doors because of their fear of the Jews, we can be sure that these two believers were also fearful. They were so fearful that they left town and headed home. Isn't that what you do when you're afraid? Find your way to a safe place. Find your way back to home. I left Courtney in charge of my dogs uh, a while back and uh, one of the dogs escaped from her collar and panicked Courtney because she knew that if she came back, if I came back and one of my dogs was missing, she would go missing as well. <laughs> so frantically she put the other dog in a stranger's arms and said, will you watch my dog uh, while I go find the other? That's why I don't leave her in charge of the dogs very often. But she searched the neighborhood over and she was about to give up and so she was heading home and guess where the dog was? Sitting on the porch. As if to say to her, where have you been? These disciples were afraid and they were going home. Fear seems to be characteristic of our day. Many people are crippled by fear of any number of things, including the future. 2 Timothy teaches us, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. For years at Disneyland, Disneyland, a woman airless playing Tinkerbell flew through the air from the Matterhorn, harnessed to a cable. But to reach Disneyland from her home each day, she traveled by bus. Her reason, I'm afraid to ride in a car on the freeway, she said. Our fears do not have to be rational, but they are our fears. These disciples were afraid because what they believed, what they had been taught, what they thought was going to occur did not happen in the way they thought it should happen. And so they were afraid. We can meet the Master when we are disappointed. The Christ followers on the Emmaus Road were very disappointed. They had based their faith in Jesus and He had been crucified. And for them, it was the end. So many things disappoint us. Other people, thwarted progress, unfulfilled expectations and more. In the midst of our disappointment, Christ appears to lead us to faith and life. We only need to place our faith in Him. The lone survivor of a shipwreck marooned on a lonely island managed to build a hut in which he placed all he had saved from the wreck. He prayed for rescue and anxiously scanned the horizon every day to signal any passing ship. One day on returning from a hunt for food, he was horror-stricken to find his hut in flames. All his possessions gone up in smoke. He was disappointed. He was dejected. He thought that he had been forsaken. But the next day a ship arrived and and the captain said, we saw your smoke signal yesterday and came to rescue you. Just when it seemed that it was at the lowest point for these disciples as they made their journey back home from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Jesus appeared to walk alongside them and yet they couldn't see him. We can meet the master when we are hopeless. Verse 21 indicates that the hopes of these believers were dashed. They had hoped that Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel. Now he had been put to death and their hope was gone. Yet at the time when their hope was the lowest, Christ met them on the road disciples had hoped that he was the Messiah but they conceived the mission of the Messiah to be the redemption of Israel from its subjection to Rome to them therefore his death at Roman hands signified that he was not Israel's redeemer and they were left hopeless hopelessness gives us no purpose in life we live with hope and expectation of what's around the corner. We live with the hope and expectation that the God of Jesus Christ loves us enough to send His Son so that through Him we can find hope. We can meet the Master when we need forgiveness. One of the most beautiful expressions in all the Gospels is found right here. When these men went rushing back to Jerusalem, they were met with the news that Jesus had appeared to Simon Peter. Remember the last time we saw Peter? He had openly denied Christ. But both here and in Paul's account in 1 Corinthians, it seems that Peter was the first disciple to whom Christ appeared. The one who most needed forgiveness and reassurance was the one Christ met first. The difficulty for us so many times in our journey called life, we have difficulty forgiving ourselves. And when we have difficulty forgiving ourselves, it makes it more difficult to forgive others. But Christ came to the one at that moment who needed forgiveness the most. The one who had denied Him at the Lord's word. But He came to him. And He comes to you. We can meet the Master when we need forgiveness. He had openly denied Christ. But both here and in Paul's account in 1 Corinthians, it seemed that Peter was the first disciple to whom Christ appeared. And there are ways we can meet the Master. We can meet the Master through God's Word. Jesus gave these believers an exposition of Scripture. He showed how He fulfilled the Old Testament Scriptures. Here we have the living Word of God interpreting the written Word of God. Christ is the key to the interpretation of Scripture. We can meet Christ through the words of the Bible. There is no substitute for studying the Word. There is no excuse for saying you don't understand it. If you don't understand it, work harder. That's the key to understanding the Scripture. Spend time in it. The tapestry that is woven throughout Scripture and the ribbons that are there connect so many things and show us so many realities about Christ's love for us and God's love for us and how we were created and how He has redeemed us. And Christ was telling those who walked with Him that day of the significance of what had happened. And He used the Scripture. There is no excuse for not using the Scripture. We cannot depend on what other people say about the Scripture to be our description of the Scripture. We must look at it ourselves. We can meet the Master through divine revelation. The eyes of these two believers were opened and they realized who was talking to them. God revealed to them that Christ was the Son of God. Whenever we meet Christ, that too is a revelation of God. We can meet Christ through the normal affairs of life. The breaking of bread was not an observance of the Lord's Supper. It was a regular meal. In their normal affairs of life, eating a meal following a journey... By foot, these believers met Christ. We look for special experiences, but in our normal everyday activities, we can meet the Master and have our lives totally changed. Remember what was said, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till He comes. You are remembering Him. Bread and wine were common staples of life, dare we say it, in the Baptist church. But they were. It's what they used. It's what they ate on a daily basis. And could it be that Jesus was saying, every time you eat something that is familiar to you, remember me? If we did that, we would remember him all the time, wouldn't we? This is the way though he is known in the community of the resurrection. When believers gather around the table, they know him as the center of their fellowship and the essence of their being. When his body was brought forth from the grave, his body, the church, was also given life. The witness of its joyous communion with him and with one another is to this day the greatest proof of the resurrection. After the blessing and breaking of bread, Jesus disappears. As a result of His death and resurrection, the Christian community no longer depends on His actual physical presence because He has given us the comforter. He is with us today. He is here as we proclaim Him. Experience we can share when we meet the Master is important too. When we meet the Master, it is an unforgettable experience. Listen to what they said. Did not our heart burn within us? These men asked themselves. In light of this new revelation, the two disciples remember unusual aspects of their experience with Jesus on the Emmaus Road. Their hearts had burned within them as he had interpreted them the scriptures. In other words, Christ had given them heartburn. They couldn't digest what they had heard at that moment. It took a little longer. It took a Nexium. Those of you who take it, I heard the giggle. It took a Prilosec. It took a Zantac. It took something more for them to come to terms with what Jesus was saying to them. But as they recalled what he had said to them along the road, their hearts burned within them. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our hearts burned with the Word of God? as if to be seared inside of us so that whatever comes along when we're dealing with disappointments and the need for forgiveness, when we're dealing with hopelessness, when we're dealing with fear, we have within us this burn that comes to us from God's Word. And it says immediately they returned to Jerusalem to share with the other disciples the joyous news that Jesus is alive. Isn't it interesting that immediately they returned? They had walked seven miles home. I'm sure they were tired. I'm sure that they were hot and they were thirsty and all of the things that go with a seven-mile journey by foot, but they were so excited and their lives had been transformed in such a way by their encounter with Christ that they went back to Jerusalem to share the good news. In 1735, John Wesley went as a missionary to the colony of Georgia. He was to be a pastor to the settlers and a missionary to the Indians, but he confessed that he went to save his own soul. He failed as a missionary and returned to England. On the evening of May 24, 1738, Wesley went to a society that met on Ottersgate Street in London where someone was reading from Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. He recorded that while the reader was describing the change God works in one's heart through faith in Christ, he felt his own heart strangely warmed. He knew that he did trust Christ alone for salvation. With that, he had the assurance that Christ had taken away his sins and saved him from the law of sin and death. As with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, his heart burned within him. When we meet the Master, it is a primary experience. This living proof that these believers had of the truth of the resurrection became their most important concern. They had been confronted with the the Savior and in that confrontation their lives had been transformed. They forgot their weariness and went rushing seven miles back to Jerusalem to let it be known that Christ was truly risen. When we meet Christ, everything else becomes secondary. This is indeed the most important experience we will have. The experience of salvation through Christ. There is no other experience that can transform your life like that relationship can because it puts everything else in perspective. And we have a hard time with perspective, don't we? We can blow things out of proportion in our lives to the point that they cripple us. Christ would say, listen to me. Listen to me. What I have done for you, I did because I chose to do it. I have given you the spirit of life. When we meet the Master, it is a shared experience. The truth of Christ cannot be hidden. It must be shared. Alan Richardson has called this hot potato news. You don't just stand around holding a hot potato. Neither do you just stand around holding the news of salvation in Christ. It must be shared. These Christ followers rush back to Jerusalem to share it. A busy physician overworked himself into a fatal illness. His widow who had been deeply in love with him, bore it up heroically during the funeral. People predicted she would break down when reaction set in, but to the amazement of all, her spirit continued buoyant. One day, some friends calling on her blurted out, What's your secret? How have you remained so calm? She was quiet for a moment, then answered. Come with me to the doctor's waiting room. Leading him down the hall to his reception room, she snapped on the light and stood in silence. Suddenly, one of the friends saw a sign hanging on a doorknob of the office. Then the other saw it and understood. The widow explained. The maid forgot to remove that sign. She put all the other rooms in order, but perhaps the Lord let her leave it there. Right after his death, I spotted this hand-lettered sign hanging a little unevenly just as he had left it. That message gave me the courage to go on. The sign read, Gone for a little while. We'll be with you soon. That's the power of what Christ has done for us. He may be gone from our physical presence as we would expect Him to be here and as those disciples did, but He will be back soon. He is here now. Our commission is to share the news of salvation with the world and this we must do. You can meet Christ today just as the believers met Him on the road. This is the truth of the resurrection. Christ is able to meet you now and bring you salvation even as you journey down the road of life. Come to Him today. Allow Christ to give you a little heartburn. Allow Christ to transform your life from one of fear and disappointment and hopelessness, if it be existing in your life, to a life of victory. A life that comes in knowing the Savior. Shall we pray? Gracious and eternal God. We are thankful for the power of your word to give to us meaning and purpose. We are thankful for the Savior and for his encounter on that day. For in that encounter we see ourselves as well. Help us, Father, to encounter you in everything we do, wherever we go, so that we might know... Of your love for us. With you Father. We know that all things are possible. But without you. We cannot see. Open our eyes. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our closing hymn and hymn of invitation is. Hymn number 300, Without Him, without Christ we are weak, with Him we are strong. The invitation is open as we stand and sing. for making this service a part of your day. There was a terrible car accident on Cold Harbor Road uh, either last night or early this morning, and uh, my understanding that at least three have died in that wreck. And uh, so one was a senior at Lee Davis High School. I do know that. So just wanted to make you aware of that so that you could be praying for those families. That's all the details I have um, related to that. Uh, Our numbers are down a little bit today because there is this thing that we can throw a rock and hit just down the street here called NASCAR. (laughs) Uh, I'm telling you that because we have people that go to the race and and also work the race, and they they are very generous with the church when we volunteer down there. They give uh, uh, funds back to us for that, so we will pray for their safety while they are there today. But I'm telling you this because I got the memo. You need to know this. When you leave here today, do not go on Meadowbridge Road. Go the other way because by this time the traffic will be reversed going into Richmond International Raceway and you will get caught up in that and be at the racetrack and wonder how you got there. <laughs> but my understanding is by now, at 9.30 this morning that was not the case, but I talked to one of the deputies there at 7-Eleven and he said they would be reversing the traffic going into the track. So if you live and you normally go home that way, go the other way. Sometimes it's automatic, isn't it, to jump in the car and go that way. That's why I'm telling you now, so that you'll know not to. Don't go that way. You can go that way if you want to. I can't control where you go, but have fun at the race uh, if you do. So uh, anyway, thank you for being here this morning. It's a joy to be together, and uh, we look forward to the next time we can be together. Let's bow for benediction. Gracious and eternal God, as we depart on this day that you've given to us, help us to take the encounter we've had with you and to live it in the community in which we work and serve. Help us, Father, to allow others to see the light of Christ in our lives so that we might be a transforming agent for others as they encounter the Christ. Thank you for your grace and for your love and for your mercy that sustains us and gives us life. Bless us as we depart. In the name of Jesus, amen.